0: You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. We are sons and daughters of the King. We're not orphans. We are called by name. We are set apart. We are children of the light, not children of the darkness. You know, as... I was preparing for today's message. I was seeking the Holy Spirit's, Spirit's guidance on how to begin the first message of the new year. And uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly through uh, another pastor. Um, I was reading some of his work and listening to some of his messages. And as I listened to those messages, I started thinking about our congregation. Those of you worshiping online with us, those here with us, there's some out of town today, some are listening to us um, right now. And God asked me, Do you really know your congregation? Do you know their past? I thought, Well, some of them I, I know their past. I mean, I know Doug's past. He shared that with me, he shared his testimony with me. Several of you have shared your past. And I began to realize that most everybody, if not everybody in this congregation, we have a past. We have some darkness in our lives, some some struggles in our lives. Probably all of us. Maybe even right now. And then that question kept coming to me. Do you know their past? But I don't know everything about you. I don't know everything about your past. You know what the Holy Spirit said? Neither do I. Neither do I. He says, I remember their sins no more. But why is it, folks, why is it that we continue to let our past paralyze us from keeping us from reaching our our full potential Why is it that we keep looking back? I mean, God put our eyes in the front of our head, not the back, but yet we keep looking back. We keep going back to that struggle, going back to that issue, going back to that addiction. Instead, He says, Move forward in me. You don't need to let that define you. I am your father, I am your reality. You're no longer an orphan. You're mine. You're a child of God. And so I want you right now, we may start doing this every Sunday. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to pray. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me during this message? Let Him speak to you. Let Him speak to you just for a moment. What does He want to say to you? Obviously, you're here this morning, you're watching this morning because you're hoping God has something to say to you as you begin a new year. What is He going to say? What is He going to reveal to you? And now let's pray again to Him, aloud, repeating after me. Holy Spirit, open up my heart. Open up my mind. To receive your word. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, Bill called his parents to wish them a happy new year. His dad answered the phone. He said, hey dad, what's your new year's resolution? His dad said, well, I want to treat your mama the very best I can in this new year. I want to be the best husband I can be to her. His mom gets on the phone and he says, Mom, what's your New Year's resolution? To make sure your dad keeps his New Year's resolution. <laughs> How about that? To treat your spouse, to treat your family, to treat your coworkers, to treat every single human being you come into contact with as a child of God. To treat them the very best that you can, even if your political views aren't the same, even if your ball teams aren't the same, even if you don't live in the same place that you treat them with respect and with honor as children of God because they too are adopted by the King of Kings, not just you and me. All of humanity was created in the image of a holy God. Now, the first Sunday of the new year, I thought about something. What should really be our, our topic I've been watching a series that Phil Bullard turned me on to, just barely got into it, called The Chosen. If you've not watched it yet, as your pastor, I highly recommend it. And it's not easy to watch. You've got you to get it on an app, and you've got to put it on your, your smartphone and your TV and all that, because it's, it's not on regular cable or, or Apple TV or anything like that, but it is dynamic. It's very good. And the tagline is my sermon series this month, Get Used to Different. But you know something? Kerry Dodge. some of you know Kerry. He was in the video a while ago with his wife standing at the pickup truck with all the lunches in the back. He brings lunches from our neighborhood about every single Saturday. He said that tagline before it was put with this movie. He said, you know, you're going to hear something different than you would normally hear at Misty Creek every week. And folks have said that to me. He said, I've never heard that before. I, man, I can't believe you went there. You really said that. Man, you're really teaching and preaching the Word of God and you're not deviating from it. I mean, you're literally teaching from it. Wow, I've never heard that before. I've been a church member for 40 years and I've never heard the literal Word of God taught and the actual truth of God proclaimed. Well, here you are. Something's drawing you here and it's not me. It's not Doug. It's the Holy Spirit that's drawing you here. And we just happen to be used as his servants, as so many of you are being used as his servants to bring glory to him. So today, specifically about communication, now you know as a pastor, one of the things I deal with when it comes to counseling couples is communication. There's a breakdown in it. And as soon as I start counseling those couples, I see it right away. Communication, man, they do not communicate. They do not sit down with each other and look each other in the eye and communicate vulnerably and transparently with one another. When I counsel couples that are going to get married, it's the same thing. Talk about communication. It's important that we communicate. In the church, the experts say, it used to be five times, you have to communicate something seven times before people will key in on it. It's the truth. You know it's true. Some of you have come up to me or you sent me a message and said, I had no idea about this. And then I share with you 25 texts, 6 emails, 4 letters, 12 versions of the weekly email, 3 or 4 other videos. Oh, I missed all those. It's true. Isn't it funny that when we're on Facebook, we skip over anything that's spiritual or religious? We might read a little bit of it. It's funny, I'll post the devotion and get like 10 likes. But if I post something about basketball or football or making pancakes, it'll get thousands of views. It's interesting, isn't it? It really is what grabs our attention. God is really wanting to grab our attention. He really tried in 2020, if you get what I'm saying, to grab our attention. Have we opened our eyes and our ears to hear what he's saying? I believe we had. You watched that video just a few moments ago, recapping 2020. And God never left us. We left the building for a little while, but we did not stop ministry. And I believe, and good old Eric back there operating our slides and all, he and I talked about this over some black-eyed peas. Well, I didn't actually eat them, but I took them home with me. His wife prepared them, and they were delicious, Denise. Thank you for that. We talked about that. That for us as a church, we saw some positive things come out of this pandemic, and we're still seeing some positive things. We never stopped serving God. We kept communicating the gospel. and we were getting people used to something different. See, we are used to church all of our lives just keeping the pew or the seat warm, just showing up for 30, 45 minutes or an hour and then beelining for the door, and that's it. But in this church, it's not that way. We are called to serve. We're called to be actively attending, hands-on, growing in a discipleship group, a, a prayer group, a Bible study to be active together, even if it is Zoom or Microsoft Teams or FaceTime? Have you ever sent a message to someone and wondered, did it go through? You know what I'm talking about? You send that text message, and you really need an answer to it, and nothing. 12 hours, 24 hours, a couple of days, and then all of a sudden, you get a yes, and you're like, yes to what? And you have to scroll back through and say, I sent that message like four days ago. What are they doing? And you know it's that person you just see that always has their phone with them, yet for some reason they didn't see your message at that given moment. And you saw that they read it because you have that setting on your phone. They read it a ha-ha-ha, you know? Have you ever had that happen? There's a breakdown in communications many times. I'm going to give you an example of that, okay? Back in Valentine's Day, 2019, not long ago, Several thousand messages went out that were not received. Listen to this. This is crazy. To ninety days later, can you imagine? You sent out a Valentine's message, "I love you," looking forward to dinner tonight. Can't wait to spend the evening with you. And the person gets it ninety days later. You might not still be in that relationship with that person, or maybe they've died. That would be awkward, wouldn't it? What? This is this is weird. It would be awkward. It is awkward when we don't communicate with one another. And I think about that as Lori read the Bible passage this morning from John's Gospel. Because the first few verses in John are meant to be a message of love. Even though they start out very confusing for us. John 1.1 reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Man, that's a lot. Okay, That's a birth narrative. I know you're saying, that's not a birth narrative in the Gospel of John. There it is. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Proving to us that at the very beginning of time, Christ was with God as well as the Holy Spirit as it hovered over the waters. Wow! I mean, this is a powerful passage in just five little verses what we get from that. Note that in writing the Word, John is talking about Jesus himself is the Word. Word. You know what I'm saying? Some of you remember that 80s reference. Jesus himself in his coming and working and teaching and dying and rising was the final and decisive message of God. That's the theme of today's sermon. A message from God. Remember that song? Message in a bottle. Who sings that? y'all are good. Police, that's right. Man, that's a good group. you got to admit it. Message from God. That's the message from God. Jesus, did you get that? Jesus himself is the final decisive message of God. God sent us a message, but as we noted, real communication happens when someone receives the message in a timely and accurate manner. You know that in the business world. You've got to communicate in a timely and accurate manner. You've got to respond to that message. Experts say that you should respond to that phone call, that text message, that email within 24 hours. Some of you don't do that, do you? It's important to do that. I guess it's ingrained in me as a pastor that I'm going to respond pretty quickly to you. I think you can, most of you will attest to that. Man, he responded to me, and I sent him that at 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, what are you doing up at 4 o'clock in the morning anyway? Think about that. God sent us a message, a really effective message. And really effective communication only happens when the recipient receives and acts on the message. So what about you? Do you want to head into this new year with a message from God? Then these verses from John have some exciting things to tell us. You've got a little hand out there in your chair or outside. There's some notes there. There's going to be some fill in the blank there. Take it home with you. This is how you apply the message. And that was my prayer for you today is that God would speak to you how to apply this message. And I believe he will. When we look at Jesus, we see God's what for our lives? Plan. We see God's plan for our lives. From the beginning of time, God planned for us to be his children. We see it in verse 12. Yet all who did receive him, him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Believe in my name, you've earned the right to become children of God. Everyone who receives Jesus as Lord gets adopted into God's family and into his love. How about that? You receive him, you're adopted into the family of God. There was a man named Simon Hall. He's a chef, a professional chef in Knoxville, Tennessee, Tennessee. And in 2017, he had the opportunity to adopt two boys. He was a single man. And he wanted some companionship. And he went to a foster organization and he adopted two boys. People thought that was interesting because he had a very busy catering business. Well, he found out that not only were there two brothers, there were six total children in the family. He says, I knew I could not let these children be separated. So he prayed about it and he adopted all six of the children. His friends and all said, are you crazy? You run a full-time catering business. How are you going to do this? But he did it. And he just knew that these kids needed him, and they did. They were from a domestic abuse. They had faced a lot of violence in their life, a lot of strife. They had been from home to home to home to home. And so he adopted them. And this is what he said. He said, I just knew they would heal in my home. Did you hear that? I just knew that they would heal in my home. From the beginning of creation, that was God's plan for us, to adopt us into his family where we could find healing in his home. Only in him will we find that healing. Why would an eternal God create beings made in his image, breathe his own life into them, and then lead them to die? For you out there maybe watching us that are struggling with the faith thing, you just... You cannot reason to believe that you are a child of God, that Jesus died to save you from your sins and to give you eternal life if you follow him. You just It's hard for you, so you follow your own way and do your your own thing, but yet you you keep failing and and falling flat on your face, and yet you're going to be stubborn about it. Listen to this. Would a God, an eternal God, create beings in his image, breathe his own life into them, and then leave them to die? The answer is God didn't do that. God made us for eternal life. Before the creation of the world, God also worked to create us for abundant life. He had us in mind the whole time. Here's the first thing we learn from John. When we look at Jesus, we see God's plan for our lives. There it is again. He planned to bring us into his home. Here's the second thing that John tells us. When we look at Jesus, we see God's love for us. We see God's love, underline it, love for us. John 1 14 reads, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Not just, I've come to visit you, but I have come to live with you in your living room, in your house. I have made your home, your heart, my sanctuary. So you cannot escape the omnipotent, omnipresent God. He is with you through the person. Not a thing or a concept, through the person of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Instead of waiting for you to come to me, I'm coming to meet you right where you are. I think most of us start off the new year searching for something, don't we? Still haven't found what I'm searching for. Maybe we're searching for closure from this past year. <laughs> Amen to that. Maybe we're searching for understanding or forgiveness. Some of us are searching for a second chance to get things right. Maybe for some of you sitting here this morning, you don't even know if you believe in God or if God believes in you. You want to believe that God is real, but you don't think you're good enough for Him to notice you. In your mind, all these smiley, sincere Bible-quoting people around you, God came for them. But you've got a lot of work to do on yourself before you can even think of asking His attention. Friend, you got it all wrong. This Bible passage makes it clear. God came to live in your neighborhood. God came looking for you. And he's going to keep looking until he finds you. And until you say yes to him, he's not going to leave you alone. That persistent family member, that cousin, that co-worker who keeps coming to you, telling you about Jesus, praying over you, praying for you, saying I'm praying for you. And you say, I don't need you to pray for me. But they keep doing it. They're going to be steadfast. They're going to continue to do that because God has placed you in their heart and they're not going to leave you alone. They may give you some space. That means God's not going to leave you alone. Hmm. Wow. When I was completing my clinical hours as a chaplain, I made rounds in the behavioral care center of the hospital. I would encounter many homeless veterans suffering from mental illness, addictions, traumatic stress disorder. I worked hard to gain their trust. I would sit and listen to their stories. On one occasion, I encountered a struggling Desert Storm veteran suffering from schizophrenia. He'd been living on the streets for several years, and I went into his room and began to develop a rapport with him. I, I sat on the floor with him and would just talk with him. And He was in, he was in really good shape physically, but mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, he was in... A bad place. And as I would go, day by day, I would begin to get closer to him. To the point that one day, if I can even do this, one day, he did push-ups every day. I got side by side with him. We had a push-up competition. And we did 100 straight push-ups. Three, four, five. Y'all ready? I'm going to do 10. That's all I'm going to do today. Okay, push-up challenge from, from Barry P- Piacente. He challenged me last year, and I did it. 25 days of 25 push-ups. Can't you tell? Mm. Mm. power. Just kidding. I'm holding everything in, Glenn. If I was let it loose, it'd knock this stand over. Y'all wouldn't be able to see it. I'd be like, I can't see. What's going on in here? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've got on those spandex right now. Or girls or whatever you wear. Even men are wearing them nowadays. Those T-shirts, those real tight T-shirts, they don't work. It's got to go somewhere. and It goes out this way. So, I'm making you laugh, but I made him laugh. And that's where it happened, making him laugh again, making him have joy. It was such a beautiful thing to gain his trust to where he was laughing. Today, this veteran's schizophrenia is controlled by medication. He's repaired his relationship with his family. He's married. It makes me emotional to think about it because I saw him where he was, and now where he is is just, it's worth it. I told my supervisor, Ken Waddell, because he may be watching today. I told him, I said, you know, Ken, if me doing all these 900 clinical hours was just for that one man, it was worth it. It was worth it. I've got clinical stories, hundreds of them I could tell you, that are similar to that. It is about sitting on the floor with them. It's about holding their hand. It's about just listening, just being there. We've got some people in our congregation, they're called Stephen ministers. I'm looking at some of them right now. And they, they're trained, and we're going to talk to you a bit more about that later on and how you can you know, be a part of that and, and have a Stephen minister of your own to walk beside you and, and hold your hand through some traumatic times some sadness, whether it's the divorce or a loss or, or whatever it is. And it's a beautiful thing when you are able to be used by God in that way so someone can listen to you and you can listen to them. And it's more about listening to them than them listening to you, if you get my drift. God never gave up on healing that that soldier, that man. He's never going to give up on you. And he's most likely using someone to reach you, and maybe you don't even realize it. Maybe you're the person God's calling right now to leave today and go reach somebody. Maybe that's your resolution. Maybe that's your call to reach one person for Christ. If it's just one, God saved a life through you. Think about that. How awesome that would be to be a part of that. John writes, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The eternal Creator, God, put on human flesh with His squishy, itchy, weak, and annoying imperfections. You know what I'm talking about. And He walked in our shoes. He came to live within just weak, fragile, human limitations. He chose to do that. He experienced hunger and thirst and frustration and weakness and loneliness and overwhelming pain and loss. And he did it all so he could show us that we don't have to go searching for an unknowable God. God came looking for us. When we look at Jesus, we see God's plan for us and we see God's love for us. And finally, when we look at Jesus, we see God's gift to us in Jesus. God poured out his grace on us. He flooded this world with his grace. He no longer floods the earth with literal water. He floods the earth with his living presence. That's what he does. And he uses you and I to be the dispensers of that grace, of that love, of that presence. We have a huge responsibility to represent him and to reflect him to a world that is struggling to the ninth degree right now. We look at Jesus, we see God's plan for us. We see that He is about grace. What does grace mean? The word means loving kindness or merciful kindness. Verse 14 says that Jesus came to us full of what? Grace and truth. Jesus came to show us the heart and character and mind of God. And all those qualities were compressed into two words. Grace and truth, grace and truth. You know, most of us want to start off the new year with clarity, don't we? If there's one area of your life that I I hope you have total and complete clarity, it's in your view of God. This is the one issue that will affect every other area of your life. So it's essential that you understand who God is and what God's plans are for you. God has a plan for you. Listen to this. He has a plan for you. A plan to adopt you into his family and have a loving relationship with you. This is good news. That's what the good news is. The eternal God wants a relationship with you. God loves you that much. The eternal God loves you that much. And God has gifts of loving kindness and mercy and truth for all those who believe in and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Can you hear me now? God sent you a message. I hope you've received it. But the real test of effective communication is whether or not you act on it. Now that you've received God's message, will you choose to submit your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know when we make our new year 's resolutions, we often damage our role as Christians. I want you to hear this: I believe this can set you free from these new year 's resolutions, because we all know that's we know it. My friend said he went to the gym yesterday. he was the only one in the gym. I guess we can say, well it 's the pandemic. Nah. People just didn't want to go to the gym yesterday. They're not there. He was by himself. Stacy, if you're watching, I know you are. He's a pastor in in Dalton. He's a Baptist preacher. He was by himself in the gym yesterday. I said, what would you do? He said, I planned my sermon in there as I was doing my curls. Can you imagine? You know, I I can see him now. You know, these resolutions become the most important thing for us in the new year. We put an incredible weight upon our shoulders to lose weight. To read more or write more or drink more water cook more. For a while at least, we only think about how well or not we are doing on our resolutions. It's hard to think about anything else. The pressure starts to build up and we begin to measure our worth, our our dignity based on our success in our resolutions. You know, many of you, probably a week or two ago, maybe longer than that, got a letter from yourself. You remember that last year? We had you write out your promises to God, your resolutions, and put them in a self addressed stamped envelope, and you gave them back to me. And I put them in the mail a couple of weeks ago, and you know how the mail's been running. <laughs> uh, but I think most of you got it. And when I opened mine up for the first time in my entire life, as I looked, I put down like five of them. All five of them were fulfilled. I was like, wow, how about that? But you want to know something? None of them were really about me. It was all about God. I'm going to share that with you in just a second. This this process of resolutions, this process of making all these promises, it can hurt us more than it helps. The most important thing to remember with any resolution is how our resolutions improve our relationship with Jesus Christ. Anything we do without focusing on Jesus is doomed to fail. All five of those things, and Karen saw them. I read them out to her. All five of them were based on my relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, they succeeded, were fulfilled. Anything we do that doesn't focus on Jesus is doomed to fail. How many things have you done this past year and are planning to do this year that don't focus on Jesus? They will fail. Mark my words on that. If Jesus has no part of the picture, no part of that plan, it will fail at some point. It may seem like it's going on okay for a little while, but eventually it will fail. Or some other part of your life will be lacking and it will fail. Give that some thought for just a moment. We may lose weight, but if that weight loss has become our idol, the sole focus of our attention... We've lost something even greater. Our intimacy with Jesus because our focus was so much on the weight loss that we didn't focus on Jesus. Hmm. What good is that? In the end, we become a slave to the weight loss letting it consume our thoughts, our actions, and everything we do. We stop living in freedom and joy, and we start living, once again, under sin's tyranny because we've let something other than Jesus rule our minds. Is there a TV show? Is there something you're listening to? Is there something you're doing? Whatever it is that is ruling your mind and taking you away from the intimacy that Jesus offers so freely? Why would we do that? Because that's what the world wants you to do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect, pleasing will is for your life. His will is perfect. Please Him, and you won't have to worry about pleasing mankind anymore. You won't. He's the only one you need to please. He's the only one you need to make promises to. It's your Savior, Jesus. So I invite you to make a resolution this year, to make remembering who you are in Christ through the Spirit to the glory of the Father as your primary importance in life. Let's begin this resolution through prayer and fasting. I know you've seen it. I've communicated it at least nine times, more than the seven that you need. 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've got some slides I believe Eric's going to throw up for us. I'm going to go through these quickly. And at the end of this, God's going to speak to us. And you're going to see what I mean in just a moment. What does this mean, Stephen? Keep on going, Eric. We're going to go through this pretty quick. Normally at Lent, you, you give up a lot of these things, okay? For some of the men in the audience, they're looking at the one in the center. I don't want to give that up, okay? You've got to look for a little while, don't you? okay? But maybe you're you're consumed with some of these things. And they're replacing that intimacy you have with the Lord. And you replace some of these things, maybe not all of them, with the disciplines of the Spirit. Prayer. Scripture study. Meditation. Sitting in the stillness of the Lord. Be still and know that I'm God. Being a part of a men's Bible study, a women's Bible study, a group that's growing and learning to be disciples, maybe a discipleship band like the men in our church have become a part of. Let's keep going. Fasting. I'm not necessarily talking about just fasting from food, because a lot of times when we do a fast or, or maybe around Lent, we, we give up the food or the, the sodas for ourselves And we don't give anything back. We don't don't give anything away to God when we do that. It's about us. Let's make this about God. Remove some things in our lives that that are causing us to lose our focus. The scriptures tell us he must increase, but I must decrease. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But how? A good fast is balanced. You give something up and you give something back. Whatever you give up, then you replace that with giving something back, helping somebody, volunteering somewhere, getting more involved in the sack Lunch Brigade, being one that goes and delivers three or four hundred lunches on Saturdays. All these things, there's a lot of stuff there. What are you going to give up? It can just be one little thing that's actually a big thing. Social networking would be huge for some of us. Think of the time we would have to grow in our relationship with Christ. The intimacy we could have with our family, with our friends, if we gave up the social networking. If we invited somebody to the church once a week. If we plan to visit a shut-in, even if it's from the outside of their house, on the porch, or from a window at the nursing home. Those are just a few things. Keep going, please. Keep going. There you go. So, this right here, I told you I've been seeking the Holy Spirit for this message and for how we would do this. This is what I believe God has placed on my heart. I wrote this down and Sherry Allen put it in slide form for me. And you're going to pray this silently. It's more of a reflection than it is a prayer. It's actually what God is saying to you as His adopted child. And this will lead us into Holy Communion. And this will lead us into the fast that begins today when we leave here. You go home this afternoon and you pray. Get on your knees and you seek God's discernment. What is he going to have you do during this fast? What's he going to have you give up? What's he going to have you give back? And when we come back here several Sundays from now, I think it's the, 20th, the 23rd, I believe it is, we're going to break the fast. We're going to have a celebration on the grounds. We're going to have the food truck that we didn't have a couple of months ago. We're going to have it out there for you. And you're going to have a chance to make a commitment on a card, not a financial commitment. Thanks be to God. No, this commitment is what God wants us to stop doing, what he wants us to continue doing, and what he wants us to start doing. Stop, start, continue, or however you want to put that word. And you're going to have a part in that. That's going to be our visioning for 2021. At the end of this fast, what has God said to us? What do we need to stop? What do we need to start? What do we need to continue? Who is God calling us to be as Misty Creek Community Church? Who is God calling you to be as an individual as well? And so Doug's going to play and you're just going to read this silently, but read it with your heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what a heart approach is? From your heart. Let's begin. God became human so that he could fully love you. Isn't it amazing how human beings can love? Do you know what it's like to truly be in love? Do you? You know that feeling you have? There's nothing like it, is there? Maybe, maybe your resolution, but you're gonna love more. You're gonna love better. You're gonna love your spouse like you never have before. You're gonna tell her or him every day, I love you. I appreciate you. You're special, you're a gift to me. You're gonna tell your child that or your or your grandchild as you, you hold them and you roll around on the floor with them and have fun with them. You're gonna say, Everly, I love you. I love everything about you. You're special. You're created in the image of God. Say that to your son or your, your daughter, your grandchild, who, who maybe has done some things they shouldn't have done. Maybe they've even disappointed you. You're going to put your arm around them. You're going to say, I love you no matter what. No matter what decisions you've made or the past you've had. I accept you as God accepts you and has, as God has accepted me. With no barriers and no boundaries. That's the grace I talked about in this message today. The greatest example of grace that I I know of is what Jesus Christ did for us. Holy Communion is what this represents. Jesus being broken. His body being broken. And His blood pouring out. Him feeling forsaken and alone and, and lost and thrown away. I mean, who in this room hadn't felt that way before? All of us have felt that way at some point in our lives. And yet he comes today and he says to you on this first Sunday, January 3rd, my daughter's 21st birthday today, 2021. I've come to heal you of your brokenness, your despair, and I will make you whole. So come feed on the food and drink of the Holy Spirit. We hope you were inspired by today's message.